This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the Bindal people of Thalgari Waja, and the Wulguru Kaba people of Garambilbara, the traditional custodians on the land on which we stand today. We would like to pay our deepest respects to elders, past, present, and future, acknowledging the ongoing intergenerational trauma caused by colonization and genocide. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome everyone to another episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, where we talk about politics and political systems from a feminist perspective. My name's Leah and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Stephanie. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very tired. Yeah. It do be like that. Doing the job <laughs> hunting thing. I've had two interviews today, like a second round, like hour long one, and one with a recruiter who was just like, there's this other job that I think you'd be perfect for. Like, I don't want that one. <laughs> do you just say, of course, I'm perfect for it. I am perfect. Well, I'm, Did you say that? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for something basic that I can just, you know, study externally with at the same time. Yeah. The place I used to work, one of the um, internal sales people did an accounting degree in his lunch breaks. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. And the job wasn't paid that well. And his resignation was literally going, yeah, I've got a six figure offer from a accounting firm. Yep. Just, and then CFO just going, yeah, can't match that. See ya. Bye. Yep. <laughs> nice. Not that I want to leave in that dramatic of fashion. Yeah. Although six figures would be nice. Could fund the revolution. Yeah, a lot of mutual aid. Yeah. Anyway, good Um, I had the weirdest fucking day at work yesterday. There was a power shortage and all the alarms were going off, oh, except fuck. I don't know any of the codes because I've only just started. And wow, it was drama. It was drama. And very loud. It was so loud. The alarms are going off in the background and I'm trying to get all this shit sorted. And I mean, like I'm setting up mass for a religious order and it was fine it was fine got it sorted love it alarms going off in the background i just like when it all calms down like i just go to the altar i'm like where the fuck were you mate you know you're supposed to have control of this shit but no i just it's times like this i kind of hope there's not a god because i'm absolutely going to hell if there is whoops look if god is that thin-skinned then i'm not sure you want to spend eternity in heaven yeah, it's got to have a sense of humour, surely. Surely. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of fucked things that happened and God doing nothing about it, uh, this episode we're talking about the Inju card. And cashless debit cards in general. I don't know. I suppose before we get into it, I might just read just a quick disclaimer on uh, financial abuse. Absolutely no reason. Uh, Wire defines financial abuse as a form of family violence. It can include withholding money, controlling all the household spending, or refusing to include you in financial decisions. Financial abuse can happen to anyone, particularly if you're on the cashless debit card. Yeah, the more vulnerable you are, the more precarious your situation. Yeah, so essentially our government is a massive bunch of financial abusers. It's not just even financial abuse at this point, it's breaching people's human rights. Yeah. A bunch of them too. Yeah, so, in this episode, we actually have a interview with Amanda from the Say No 7 group who are organising resistance against the cashless debit card. Amazing. It's it's pretty full on, so we should probably mention some content warnings of, oh God, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Coercive control, financial abuse, state violence, suicide. Sexual assault and rape. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty horrific, but it's really important that you sit through it. And, and really listen. We need to stop this card, essentially. Yeah. Uh, do you want to run us through what the Inju card is, Steph? Very bad. Um, the cashless debit card <laughs> is Andrew Forrest's version of the basics card. The trials arose of governments accepting a key recommendation from Andrew Forrest's 2014 review, Indigenous Jobs and Training, Creating Parity. Who the fuck is Andrew Forrest? One for the guillotine. Yeah, look, this is this is Twiggy Forest, yeah? yeah this is who use him for fertilizer. Yeah, he's yes. the mining dude. Yeah. And um he's got the Mindaroo Foundation. <sighs> anyway, what a cunt. So yeah, so the CDC trials actually had to have some 
things done beforehand. So first they had to get around social security laws. These laws are designed to protect social security recipients from third parties taking payments without their consent. So they did this by making changes to the Social Security Administration Act of 1999 inside of the legislation for the CDC with the Social Security Legislation Amendment Debit Card Trial Bill 2015. So fucked. Yeah, so basically this thing on consent is that under the acts, you you have to consent to it. Mm. The government just can't come along and, and say, we're using the, this third party and you have no other alternative to it. Mm. However, once the card is authorised by the cardholder, it is deemed as consenting not only to the CDC trial, but also in dues terms and conditions. It's so fucked. It's so fucked. And as um, you'll hear from Amanda, the warning that you get that you've been put on the uh, on CDC is that you get the card. Your yeah. payment has already been split. The basic split is 20% of your social security payments are placed into your bank account and the other 80% is transferred to a private operator, which means it's not your property. Yeah. They're not a bank, so they're not governed by the laws of uh, that regulate banking. They also don't have to answer to Senate committees. Oh. And they're not signatories to the Centrelink Code of Operations or the e-payments code. I, mm. John Howard also had to make changes with the Social Security Administrations Act of 1999 for the NT intervention, um, which also led to the income management there yeah. for the basics. So, I mean, like, this, this thing has been in the works since the Howard years. Yeah, yeah. This there's, this has been a long time in the running and they're testing it. They tested it first on, you know, First Nations people in the Northern Territory. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. It is the beginning of privatisation of Social Security. Yeah. Uh, so the plan by the Liberal and the National Party has always been for the CDC to be rolled out nationally for those of working age. It's articulated very clearly in both Andrew Forrest's reviews. Billions of dollars can potentially become the property of Inju or the banks to dole out Social Security recipients. His 2017 report also makes it very clear that government subsidies for businesses is expected for further implementation of the CDC. The Nationals also voted in August last year for every Australian under 35 on parenting payments, New Start allowance and youth allowance to be put on a CDC. And this is going to affect everyone. Which means Andrew Forrest is just... He's just reaping in profits. It's entirely privatised. And interest... So the Indu card doesn't actually generate interest for the card user. Yeah, again, it's not a bank. If there's any interest, Andrew Forrest is going to accrue that interest. So he's making money off doll payments. This is fucked. We had a constitutional referendum about social security in, in addition to Section 51 of the Australian Constitution to include a bunch of other payments. Australia voted... Oh, white Australia, I should say, voted for this. Yeah. To be included in the Constitution. He's collecting fees, not only from welfare payment recipients, people, but he'll also be collecting interest off the money that he has in his bank. Yeah. This is fucked. Like, I mean, it was already fucked before this. Oh my god. Nepotism is the right word, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the contract was awarded back in 2009 to Inju. Larry Anthony, former Liberal National Party MP and President of the <laughs> Federal President of the National Party. Did Ospol Snackpod do a deep dive onto um, Andrew Forrest's background, or was it um, not good enough? Pod. I know Snackpod has done some stuff um, more around the Mindaroo Foundation. I think it was not good enough because it's it, literally one of the goals of the IPA to um, privatise Social Security, as if that was ever going to be a thing. Oh, it's fucking gross. It's so gross. And the other thing is that Circo's involved. Yeah, of course Circo's fucking involved. This government's disgusting. So the current injury trial sites are in Sejuna, South Australia, East Kimberley, Western Australia, Goldfields in Western Australia, Bundaberg and Harvey Bay region in Queensland, Cape York and Doomadgee in Queensland, and the Northern Territory, which the Northern Territory already had basics. Yeah. 
So the really interesting, and by interesting, I mean super fucked thing about these trial sites is that in Seduna in South Australia, 22.4% of the population identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. In East Kimberley, 43% of the population identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. Goldfield region in Western Australia, 12.3% of the population identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. In Harvey Bay in Queensland, it's only 4% of the population. Jumaji in Queensland, 93.7% of the population is Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. Across the whole Northern Territory, 25.5% of the population identify as um, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. And when you compare this with the fact that 4% of Queensland's population, the entirety of Queensland, identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander... Uh, this is all from the 2016 census. It just makes you wonder why they chose these trial sites. It almost feels like it was intentional. I feel like it might be racism. Look, when it comes to Queensland, that's that that's a given. <laughs> when it comes to the LNP, it's a given. Yeah, that too. So um, I think we'll go to the interview now with Amanda uh, and she can talk about their Oh, God, I don't even know how to sum this up. We'll just go to the interview. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Amanda. I am lead and co-coordinator of the Say No 7 group and NCDCA, which is No Cashless Debit Card Australia. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. It's absolutely wonderful to have you here. Um, Would you be able to uh, just give us a quick run through of what life on the card is actually like? Okay, well, the first thing that, that somebody, when they're placed on a card, they'll get a letter saying they've been placed on it. Um, they won't have any right of reply. Their payment type or the, and their location is the only measure, so to speak. They're not assessed as needing it or they don't go through some qualifying process to be forced onto the trial. So the first thing they notice is they get a card in the mailbox. that, And by that point, their payment is already split by the department into 20 and 80%. So uh, the first is that shock. The first experience that we hear from cardholders is the absolute shock. Why have I been put on this? What have I done wrong? And that is the message that, that we hear a lot is what have I done wrong to deserve this, to lose control? So that immediately that sense of control is lost. The sense of um, capacity and autonomy is lost. And then it's like for the first week or two after that, it's people are, because of the, the skill sharing that's going on on pages now, people are getting more savvy at doing it and helping others to get through that process. But there's about a two-week to three-week long process of changing all of your direct debits, your um, any, anything that you have to pay regularly over to the Inju account. So that's the, that's the practical experience. You have to use their account and BSB numbers. You have to, um, everything has to be arranged with between your bank and the Inju account. And some banks are okay with that, but Commonwealth and other banks haven't been in the past. And so people on mortgages have a lot of trouble. People who have loans have an enormous amount of trouble. Um, you know, paying things like electricity bills and, 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 and utilities is a bit of a problem. And any, what we could call it, extraneous things that you pay, like a payment to a personal friend, they actually have to be negotiated manually with with um, Inju Limited. They, they're not automatic payments, you know, anything at all. So there's this massive confusion about reordering your structure of your payments and who you pay and how you pay. So, and that is exhausting. That whole process is exhausting. And then there's the experience of trying to use the card. <laughs> now, um, in the recently released evaluation report, there had been 890,000 card declines for 13,000 people. Um, in, in, and so this card, 86% of those were not for things that were banned. So you're talking the bulk of these purchases are just from going to get groceries or trying to pay a bill. Um, so the card is declining regularly at regular outlets. You know, there'll be announcements over the um, over the um, 
loudspeaker in shopping centres, sorry, we can't accept the injury card today. And like all these women whom their kids walk out, right. you know, it, there's a stigma and shame is an immediate thing as well. And it coincides with this card declining process. It, um, the actual technology doesn't work where it's supposed to work. Um, and, and people are shamed and having to try and manage their private bank account with, with their injury account to see what they can pay for, sending items back, um, being declined for a, you know, a hot lunch in a cafe that sells alcohol, you know, even if you've never, if you didn't drink alcohol. Um, there's, it's not just those venues, though. You're actually subject to 86 pages, um, 89 pages of in-due terms and conditions, uh, which are corporate terms and conditions that you have to abide by. So there's all these new rules and that uncertainty, the immediate effect ongoing once you are settled onto the card is the insecurity, never knowing, the constant daily never knowing. And that's what we're hearing from people straight up. It's not being able to pay rent, uh, having a housing limit not set because you're not on a lease. Um, you know, the, the impacts, are they, these are the practical impacts uh, over Overall, it, uh, you know, speaking of a wider field, it's, um, you know, mental health decline, homelessness, uh, people who have not been able to get their rents paid are homeless. We have uh, a young man in a wheelchair on job seekers currently sleeping on a beach in, in, in Bundaberg, so in Harvey Bay, sorry. Um, eight young people in Harvey Bay have ended their lives in one month and due to the community-wide stresses that this dynamic between the haves and the have-nots is having. Um, you know, we have uh, increased incidents of crimes against recipients. One poor mother was in a shop. It's been reported to police, so it's okay to share it. Um, she had her child taken out of the trolley and taken to security because somebody saw her. She's a very tiny, petite lady. Someone assumed she was an addict and took her child to security because her mummy's on that card. So the the ALP, the NLP, sorry, presented this card as a tool for junkies, addicts and people who neglect their children. All right. That's how they farmed it in the Hinkler area. And I'm focusing on Hinkler because the evaluation focused on everywhere else. Hinkler was never evaluated, yet it's the largest trial site in Australia with over 7,000 people on the card there. And um, it's important to sort of raise their voices a little bit. But, you know, so there's this whole community that thinks anyone on a card is a junkie and a crackhead and can't look after their kids, even though these are regular everyday mums and dads. So it's not just the people and the stigma and the card decline issue. It's the government apparatus that is supporting that discrimination. And so it's, and then you're fighting the media, which is exacerbating that government discrimination. So it's structural, it's institutional, and then it's local. And then it's that personal grief, the grief and loss. You know, families have lost their children. Um, you know, mums are sleeping in tents. One mum's tent burnt down and the news did a, um, did a number on it and all the locals could do was attack her for sleeping in a tent. Yep, that's all the only thing she could do because the injury card wouldn't pay rent. So it's like Hinkler is now number one for homelessness in Queensland where it was number three before the trials began. And we still have Kate Pete. Keith Pitt was out there yesterday saying the community supported it when it was on his own page, his poll said, showed, he ran a poll on his page. 81% of people said no. The uh, QCOS did a poll. 94% of people said no. So it's like he has support, but he has support from a very limited number of top end of town people who are giving him the license, if you like, to, to continue yeah. the policy. So it's, but the impacts overall have been uh, lowered birth weights in children from basics. We've already uh, we've had the um, the doctors and the and the academics already explaining that in the Senate. Um, you know, one one academic explained it. Uh, you know, women on forced income management were equivalent to women in war zones it was that bad the state of health and mental health you know um, when a child is deprived of of weight in utero it comes out already behind the 20 percent percentile for you know so the the catch-up is from the beginning um, you know we've 
had kids taken off parents who can't who reject the card and say they're not going on it. CPS is being used as a weapon to force people to stay on the card, and people who try to exit the program are facing the most ridiculous uh, extrajudicial competency and capacity hearings where there's no legal process at all. They're just being, um, if you notice on our Twitter at the moment, our pin post is about a couple who've been declared a danger to themselves and others, yet she's a full-time worker and he's only been on the dole three months. It's like, and they've ne- they've been rejected for exit based on a community perception that they're a danger to the community. It's like, but there's no legal process. So this is usurping fiduciary rights and trustee rights. This is a, this is a huge problem. So I, I, I know that's long-winded, but that's a pretty big rundown there. <laughs> yeah, no, that is absolutely like it, terrifying. Yeah, and that, that's the word. It is terrifying. And uh, for someone like me, a person with a disability, living with a disabled child uh, who has, you know, I don't drink, I don't use drugs, I, you know, I don't commit crime, but that, that's not even the point, you know. I'm disabled and I'm on a welfare payment or a social security payment and that should not be the reason that my autonomy and my rights and legal rights are taken away. 19 different legal rights are stripped from people who go on this card, including the right not to self-incriminate, which is a statutory right under the law. And that's terrifying, you know. Yeah. Mm. That's just you know, fucked up on so many, on multiple levels. You mentioned the media. The media is currently pushing the line that no pensioners will end up on the on the card Well, media is supporting government statements to that end. Media themselves aren't actually coming out and saying they're not. They're just saying this is what the NLP is saying. Okay, but we know media's role in forced income management in Australia since the ABC Late Line did their number and ended up with the rollout of Basics Cards and Enter, which is the Northern Territory emergency response. ABC promoted lies of, of NLP member Malbara back all the way back then and his staffer who was um, claimed to be a youth worker on country and claimed that there was pedophile rings going on on country. Um, and those lies were repeated and amplified by media, like they're like lies about the CDC today. And the result of that was tragedy. You know, uh, you know, complete. Dis- they dissolved the Racial Discrimination Act, and they went in. The army went in. Uh, yeah, and and quite literally, you had mothers fleeing with their babies into the into the bush. You know, and it was a, it, it is still being f- found today. Yeah, um, the impacts of that experience. And now we've just doubled down with the cashless debit card. But the same process of media supporting the lies of politicians is happening right now. And it just happens to be the same party, the same kind of lies. It's almost a mirror image of what happened in Enter. Only this time, we don't have the army on the streets. And that's because, you know, um, mostly because the people that are going on it, 60% of people on cards now are white and live in urban areas. So if they tried to bring the army in, it'd be almost impossible. So this is a classist and racist card. Now, I'm going to say this once because <laughs> it is really important to say this. Yeah. Age pensioners are already on the card. People of pensionable age over 67 years are already on the cashless debit card. The cashless debit card legislation that passed in December 2020 put the age pension into the Act as a restrictable payment, which means mandatory quarantine for the first time since 2015. Okay, so ALP... NLP, media, anybody listening, age pensioners are already on the card. It's already in the Act as a restrictable payment for the first time. We warned the public for a year through Transition Bill 99 and through the Continuation Bill that this was in the bill. We rang Senator at Ruston's office and said, what the hell are you doing? We, you know, she refused to our faces to deny age pension was going on the bill. The thing is, in each... Each trial zone has a designated number, 124, PGE, PDE, right? They all have their own. And for the Northern Territory and for uh, Cape York region, it is 124 PGE and 124 PGD. I know this because I sit on the legislation all the time. This is what I do. I'm a policy analyst. Under those two conditions, had the bill passed as it was, 
all of the entire age pension population of the Northern Territory will be on the card right now. And the only reason that they're not is that last minute wrangling that went on in the Senate at midnight that amended the bill. But that didn't amend it for, for Cape York. Now, the Cape York are run by a different process called the FRC, which is called the Queensland Commission. All right. But it still means that the people on age pension and people on service pensions and people who can't get the age pension because they don't have a birth certificate. So we're talking about a small number of Aboriginal elders here. Okay, who can't get an age pension, so they're on JobKeeper or disability. Okay, those people have been forced onto the cashless debit card. They were on basics cards before this bill, being managed under a very unique micro-community system up there. Okay, and it works for them because they're all involved in it. But now they've been forcibly transitioned to the cashless debit card, which strips all the rights that they had under basics cards away and puts them on that card for life unless they get an exit process. Sorry, I'm just having to mute my sounds here. <laughs> um, so these people are on it for life unless a government comes in and changes you know, what's going on. And ALP, to their credit, have stood up to say they will repeal the legislation on cashless debit card. Now, I have video on our pages of the Family Responsibilities Commission, the Queensland Commission, saying they didn't want the cashless debit card. Okay, they wanted their model, the FRC model, which was egalitarian, involved community consent, involved elder consent, involved actual care of the person on the card and had a short duration where people could meet the goals. And if they met the goals that were set down, it was based on a caring platform as opposed to an imposition top down. And it was run and owned by them, not run and owned by white people in Canberra. So there's a very different way of going about it. But it doesn't change the fact that these people have now been forced onto cashless debit card. And the only thing stopping them from being uh, their beautiful little program being completely stripped apart is a promise from the NLP that that won't happen. And it's very precarious now. We've got people up there talking about it, terrified that Canberra is going to come in and roll their whole system. And uh, that could happen. Age pensioners there, though, are on the card. People that can't get it of pension age are on the card. And even outside of that, we have people aged up to 67 on the card in all the other trial zones, except Hinkler, which has got an age cap. Everywhere else, people aged up to 67 are already on cards. 64 was the old pension age. So we've got elders on cards right now. We've got Aboriginal elders getting kicked off country, heading to Perth because they've been put on cards to get treatment for dialysis. And they go to Perth and they can't use their card. You know, we've got, um, we've got a beautiful 76-year-old uh, lady in Seduna, the most gorgeous, amazing, like can't get an exit off the program. You know, she's, she's ready to retire. And they put her back on the program because in the last bill, they removed the exemption for nominees so she um weekly and weekly payment recipients she had gotten off it by becoming a weekly payment recipient and now they've nixed that loophole as well so she, they forced her back on it you know this is a, this is not a lady that runs out and drinks she you know there's no um you know, there's no rationale to be putting people over the age of 55 on the card at all, to anybody, but especially people over the age of 55 on the card. So um, they're already on it. <laughs> and we've had to go around all for the last two months now and fact check everyone, including the ALP, that they're already on it. Yeah, Are you not aware? And just yesterday I got fed up, so I actually wrote the meme that's currently sitting on our Twitter now, which is, you know, thanks very much, NLP, for standing up and informing the voters that you didn't read the bill you know and uh you know it just everyone standing up to say that age pension isn't on the card is a liar and admitting they didn't read the bill so that's how you can look at that so when Keith Pitt stands up and says they're not going on the card it's like he hasn't read the bill Anne Rustin says they're definitely not going on the card she knows full well that they're already on it so she's lying as well. And, um, you know, I have no problems calling them out as liars because they have lied nonstop the whole way through. Lies of omission are still lies. 
and they're the worst kind of lie. So there you go. Another long-winded response. (laughs) No, no, we can pull stats and figures and talk about those and without context, it just feels meaningless in some ways. I can tell you, I have um, every stat from the evaluation that has recently come out um, from the Adelaide University. It was due out, by the way, in uh, April 2019, and there was a huge vote in December 2020. It still wasn't out then, and Anne Rustin only released it in February 2021. So she withheld the contents of it because what that showed is an increase, a doubling of de- domestic violence in East Kimberley, a 30% minimum increase of intake intakes into uh, shelter housing, DV related in Seduna. It showed there are more vulnerable children now, I think 0.64%. So it's a very small percentage, but there's more vulnerable children now in trial zones than there were before. The largest trial zone, like I said, wasn't even evaluated because um, they knew the response they were going to get. They went up there and did a short run. The university went up there to do a short run and didn't get a single positive response from anyone. So they bolted and didn't come back. Um, the stats are incredibly damaging to the card. Um, it had absolutely no impact on employment. The stat about the card declines, you know, the, all of these statistics are all there and we've broken them down on our pages So, and in and many of our memes so people can go and read them short form, especially on Twitter. They're, just check out my media section. They're all there. I'm sick of writing them out because yeah. people don't, it doesn't click with people that, that, these stats are actual human beings who are suffering right now and who have been suffering for six years. You know, people are talking about this as if it was just erupted yesterday. You know, we've got mums and and dads who have been on cards for six years for committing no crime, you know, just the wrong place at the wrong time, you know. So that's, you know, yeah. Actually, it's it's funny that you mentioned um, the unemployment thing. Have you seen the youth unemployment figures for Queensland during the first year of the pandemic? No, I haven't seen the current youth. Fit. What we do know is that they, um, he, Keith Pitt did claim the whole Wide Bay region's uh, drop in youth unemployment at the time before the pandemic as the trial area and Rachel Seward, God love her, she um she pointed that out and we made good hay on that, I have to say, that he lied. A whole region's unemployment figures, you know. Don't forget students are on this card as well. Ab study and off study students and youth allowance, job seeker, it's all on the card, you know, already. The Queensland government actually has the statistics from um, uh, released in January 2021. Um, 2021, okay. Yeah. So it's from period 19 to um, to 20. So Townsville had a drop of 7.5, and that's because of the, the COVID supplement payments. Um, Central Queensland had a drop of 6.9. Logan and Bow Desert had a drop of 0.9. Um, so Brisbane, obviously, there's a rise there. But Mackay, Isaac and Whitsundays only rose 0.2%. Queensland Outback only rose 3%. And then you have... <laughs> Wide Bay, a rise of 8.5% in youth unemployment. They're going around and saying, you know, this card is reducing unemployment. Remember, I remember that we did... um we did do a we did do a, a campaign on his last. Um, he was fudging his last figures in Wide Bay. I will definitely chase this up because that's actually a very good point to make, and that's eight point five percent rise. Yeah, from nineteen point two percent to twenty seven point seven percent youth unemployment. Wow. Okay, I'll, I'll certainly let the Hinkler team know about that, and I'm sure that they can do something with that information as well. This is important to discuss, and this is a discussion where we sort of we sort of have these phases where we move around the different trial sites and campaign on in each one or for each one and at the we were doing Hinkler about three or four months ago um, but we were focused on issues that you know that this is targeting women especially women who are fleeing domestic violence and single mothers specifically and you know um, we have currently the two major centre care and another another agency in Perth and Queen, Perth and Brisbane are sending women who are fleeing to their shelters to trial areas at the moment. They're actually sending them to Seduna and they're sending them to Harvey Bay and Bundaberg. And whereas other women get sent 
to other places that they have seemed to be targeting. This is a coordinated and targeted uh, assault on women who are fleeing assault and violence. And um, we recently had to invoke Jacinda Ahern. We had to get her involved in a in a New Zealand national single mum with two children who was being harassed uh, in an appalling manner in Kalgoorlie, you know, um, she was telling her story on the phone to Jacinda's um, secretary and Jacinda just grabbed the phone and she said, this is not okay. So it took about six months for her to get off the card, even with, um, you know, the prime minister's help. But Anne Ruston wouldn't even speak to her. Anne Ruston wouldn't speak to Jacinda about this. Um, this woman, um, had to walk, but was put on she, the job seekers from uh, job seekers who are not nationals are put on. They're not allowed to claim pensions and parenting payment. They're put on job seeker. Um, so you know, and this is a woman who was a victim of the most incredible assaults, where she was you know nearly killed, and her partner had been put in jail, but he was supported by a local mining company, um, and he was supported by the judge at the time. We're very fortunate that a new female judge has come into Calgary who is um, reviewing all the decisions that were made in the, in her case and other cases. So, you know, the activism for Kalgoorlie for that month managed to bring her story to light, managed to bring the underlying problems of racism, because she's black, her partner's white, um, you know, uh, and the legal system and the whole structure which exists in Kalgoorlie, which is ne nepotism, you know, nepotism and the mining interests take precedent over everything in the town and, and that includes the lives of women and children. Um, so it's like it, it, we've, we've targeted particular cardholder stories and race them to you know national platform level you would have heard about Mahalia who two years could not buy food in her local town she had to wait on the kindness of strangers and friends to go 46 kilometers to the nearest town to use the card and we managed after after all six months of dedicated push you know she's off the card and she couldn't be happier you know but the stress that it induced in her and her children does the the frustration um it, it's it's you know it's not it's not an easy thing it sounds easy to get somebody off the card but it's not you know and we've been doing that for card holders and with card holders since the very beginning um supporting a, a mother with diabetes 60 year old mum with diabetes in her decision to run a hunger strike you know, in Kalgoorlie, she's off the card. Um, but, you know, people are willing to, to, to fight. You know, people go, where are the card holders? Well, they're fighting. You just have to look for their voices and we try to amplify their voices as much as possible. So I hope that's, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, people, especially the young and the students, need to understand that this is coming for them. The the NLP and the LP have all the Nationals and the, the Liberals have already voted internally, right, to roll this out nation nationwide to under thirty fives. All right, they're going to do this incrementally. Um, the nation the national rollout was being spruiked by Matt Canavan while they were still debating the December bill last year. He was on Sky News going, time for a national rollout, the evidence is in, but the evidence wasn't in. The evidence didn't become available until February and that evidence was all against the card. You know, 85% um, of people had no change in drinking behaviours, 76% of people no change in illicit drug behaviours, no, like I said, no impact on employment. It did nothing but waste money and an incredible amount of money. We've, we've, we're tracking the costs that we can see and a few costs that we know about. Um, and we're up to 321 million already. Just the INGU contract alone for one, you know, for one company involved in this car is $70 million. Can you imagine if this money had been put into services, you know? We know that the Saduna services got on board early and they you know but they backed off when they started hearing the horror stories coming back from their from their people that you know from their client client base they admit themselves that they were not networked enough and not engaged enough and they needed so they actually did the work but um they did it because their funding was held hostage services in saduna that didn't get on board lost their funding save the children lost their funding and you know um the situation up there is still so volatile saduna lost a third of its population 
in you know, after the rollouts, you know. Um, so they didn't really get rid of their – they didn't deal with their alcohol and drug problem. They just got rid of problematic people. And that's what they've done everywhere. They're regentrifying the Harvey Bay area. So they're getting rid of people from the area. They're getting rid of the poor, forcing them out of the rental markets up there. People can't, you know, can't, the real estate agents won't let to people on carts. So this is the environment young people are coming into. We've tried to approach student unions and it's sort of like, yeah, whatever, it's one of those issues. They don't realise that they won't be able, you know, we've got a young law student wasn't able to get his graduation gown. Indu card wouldn't wouldn't um, pay for his graduation ground or his photographs or anything his books because it's all done by credit card now with the books you know he couldn't get his books and he couldn't buy secondhand books so he had to struggle to get through you know so this is a real and meaningful project that young people especially need to get on board with we'd really love your help because we're all old and exhausted <laughs> come and help out your grands <laughs> So what is the best way for people to actually get involved okay. directly with with your with the Sano 7? Okay. The first thing would be to join up our pages, okay? The no, National Card Australia and I will post you those links. Um uh, and to say no seven resources page say no seven is a researchers page so it's all the topical issues and big posts and the file section and that's for media and everyone to just go and grab without having to sift through all the noise national uh, no card no cashless debit card australia which is on facebook is um is a, it's for discussion okay but we also have a volunteer group and we've just started this one for the bank action that we're planning to do on the 5th of November. And that would possibly be the best way if you want to actually get active to meet other people who are willing to get active. Um, we were going to do it in September, but COVID and all the lockdowns came and sort of put an end to that. So we've we've pushed it out to the 5th of November and we thought we'd um we'd run on the whole you know remember remember the 5th of November things you know and try and get some ground there um and there's about 80 people on that list particularly you know but there's you know there's close to 30,000 people across our um our platforms all over at the moment that's uh, Facebook that's TikTok that you know um Kath says no to uh welfare card is on TikTok and she's raising hell there Catherine Wilkes is an amazing lead of the national uh, no card pages and uh, she's also the media face when media want to comment from us they go to her because she has it in her head like a computer just she knows it and if there's a fight or a struggle or a history question she definitely is the lady to to go to so um, come to the pages let us know you want to help and we'll grab you and um, we'll let you know of what events are out there um, but the best thing you can do is to tell your local ALP and NLP members and you know the Greens have been on board against this card from the beginning you don't have to tell them all right but you need to get out there and get to your MPs and register your complaint even if it's just a phone call you know I'm a voter I'm in your district I'm not voting for you if you vote for cashless debit cards it's that simple it's student unions can actually activate students on on campus that would be great because it's you know it's there then it's going to be impacted so it's about taking the information that you read on our pages and going and acting it we're not some I'm not Boudicca <laughs> you know I had to explain this to someone we're not Boudicca's you know we're just putting the information where the public can see it now you need to grab that information and run with it okay make sure you're fact checked first come and ask us questions because the most frustrating thing is someone going out and saying blah 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 blah, and it's completely wrong because the media and the NLP will use that against us so get come and ask all the questions you need we will be happy to respond um, inbox us on the national page and um, and we will we'll respond to any question that you have and then you take the information look at the files look at the memes see what's already been done we have been campaigning on the ground and online for six years there is so many files and so many pictures to give you some ideas of what you can do in your local community. We do a thing called little actions, which means you only need two people to stand out in front of a minister's office or stand out in front of Centrelink and hand out our flyer, which has got all the information about the card. That is so important. And if we can get one person or two people in every area of Australia doing that, it would help so much to spread information and awareness because the government is going to lie. NLP lie, it's all they do and if they're not lying directly they're lying through omission so we have to overcome 
the ignorance and apathy of the Australian people. We have focused on the people and we've done, we've altered the narration. You know, we, we were a big significant force in, 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 the withdrawal of bipartisan support from by the ALP, we've we you know we've we've kept the pressure on nonstop for six years, and uh, we're not stopping anytime soon. You know we're tired and we're exhausted, but we're yeah we're you know it, at the same point we can't afford to stop. The alternative is to roll over and accept it, and to a person, I don't think anyone is um is willing to do that. You know, not so close too. If if ALP can get into Parliament, we can. They've they've said they want to repeal this, so we're going to hold them to it. We're absolutely going to hold them to it. If they try any shit fuckery like the NLP's shit fuckery, I can tell you, we're going to fuck. We'll make sure everyone knows about it because we support the ALP's position on the card. You know, but you know, there's a lot of things about the ALP we don't like either. But we don't have a choice but to vote for an ALP government because we know how many lives are on the line. We know what an NLP government will do if they get the mandate and they will take any victory as a mandate just as they have this time and worse. They will they will we just can't afford another four years. There are people out there on the edge on cards right now who for whom the hope of an ALP victory is the last hope. And I'm not in any way, there's no hyperbole there. All right, we have, uh, we've lost a lot of very good people. Okay, a lot of people have died as a result of this program. Um, you know, my first loss in this program was a friend of mine, actually, with six children who, who ended her life because of this program. So, and that's a trigger word. I'm really sorry there. Um, okay. Yeah, the, 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 the impacts are very real. The impacts on cardholders of the daily monotony of not having control over your own life, of having this you know what Orwell called it, the boot on the face of humanity. It's, uh, it's, all, it's all a perspective until it's your face and it's the government boot, you know. And, you know, we, we absolutely salute the endurance of the Aboriginal people who have borne this since 2006 and seven with the enter and the rollout of forced income management there in the territory. And we, a lot of us were fighting on the ground to stop that from happening as well. I, mean, I was one of them, you know, and it's, um, you know, we understand better the endurance that they have had to have. You know, we have, you know, the grace and the elegance as well of their arguments and their fights. Everything we are saying today, they said back then. So we are repeating, we are standing on the backs of giants, literally. But we, you know, we don't speak for Aboriginal people in our groups. We amplify Aboriginal voices in our groups. We don't speak for, you know, we, we have a respect process in place. Um, but when they speak, we make sure everyone hears you know, and all the peak unions and peak Aboriginal bodies across Australia oppose this card. It's not just us. It's not just some weird bunch of women, you know. The reason we're called the Say No Seven, by the way, is because it started, our group started with seven women who just, you know, were called, we were called by a Liberal uh, liberal minister, those ratbag Say No Seven people, you know, those say, seven ratbags, seven Say No ratbags. And it's like, uh, and that, so it's like the word dyke. We just went, fine, we'll take that. Thank you very much. And we ran with it. Reclaim the shame, you know. We're not shamed. We're not ashamed of being a social security recipient, you know. Um, they, the, AO, the NLP have completely altered what it means to be a social security recipient in this country. Yeah. The poverty shaming, the, the media poverty shaming is just completely out of control. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucked up. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we probably should wrap it up there because it is um, that's that's about forty minutes. Thank you so much for no, no, allowing me to you. speak today, and I really hope that people get it through their heads that this is, you know, um, the last punch in the face is workers are on this card as well. People with part-time, even full-time workers have been put on this card because they get family tax benefit. So you come to our page, look at the list of payments that are on it and then add some more. Okay. It's on the department website. We, we fact check everything that the media says, but we also fact, we start with fact checking ourselves. So we have a process of integrity. Um, we are trustworthy people you know, and if we don't know, we'll tell you. So come and join up. 
you know, come and join up. And, you know, even if you just take the information quietly and run off to your community, we're fine with that. But it's much better if you're loud and noisy. Come and get loud and noisy with us. (laughs) That was literally one of the hardest things that I've done in a very long time, holding it together for that. When I first listened to it, I was actually like, there were tears. I had to listen to it a, a second time so that I could actually absorb the information as opposed to just being overwhelmed with shame and anger. I just I cannot understand how this kind of policy gets through government. I just don't... I mean, I do. on one hand, I totally understand it because capitalism and Twiggy Forest and all of this sort of bullshit. But what is happening in Parliament that anyone thinks that this is okay? How can they justify this? How can Canavan, in good faith... And, like, sleep at night, say that this is working. That's the thing that gets me, is that he's smack bang in the middle of his electorate, one of the trial sites, and Mm. he can't even run a poll on their social media without it being thrown back into his face, the community going, fuck you. Yeah. Like, it's not even just a willful blindness at this point. This is a choice, and we're all at risk of it. So, full list of trigger payments, um, as per the DSS website that you can go look up right now, so, Study, Social Security Bereavement Payments, other than social security bereavement payments in relation to age, a mature age allowance, baby bonus, carer allowance, carer supplement, child disability assistance. <laughs> uh, sorry, clean energy advance. Jesus Christ. Oh, the energy supplement, double orphan pension, FTB, friends with benefits. <laughs> French, French tax benefits. <laughs> FTB is family tax benefits. Like all of these IB, ISB? What's that? Irritable syndrome bowel? Oh my God, there's all of these payments. Newborn supplements, newborn upfront payments, pensioner education supplements, pharmaceutical allowance. You know, that pittance that you get when you're on, when you're on Oz study. Mobility allowance. Oh my God. The remote area allowance. The stillborn baby payment. All of this will trigger someone getting put onto the injury card. Yeah. This is, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is the boot heel on your face. Oh my God. Like most things with government, they kind of set out with some KPIs, SLAs, those kinds of corporate sounding. Is this going to work and how are we going to measure whether or not it's working? Yeah, this is this is fucking horrific. So, young Stephanie, is it even working? Not according to what has been given to the government. So, no. Kid from sight. I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. It never happens in the history of the Australian government. <laughs> Usually so such honourable and above board people. So there was there was a report that was supposed to be compiled and released to the, the public in 2019 that didn't get released until after the extension vote last year. You know that one where Sterling Griff, fuck you Sterling Griff, where was your spine buddy? Who ran out of the Senate to not have to vote on it. Mm, what a hero. Fucking champ. That report wasn't released until... This year, University of Adelaide, according to report, 22% of participants reported reduction in at least one of the three evils. Care to guess what what those three evils are? Uh, Is this supposed to be like like alcohol and stuff? Drugs, alcohol, and I think domestic violence is considered an evil. Okay. Which, you know, it's an active decision that somebody makes. Yeah, that isn't necessarily the person on the injury card, but anyway. Anyway, University of Adelaide, according to a report, 22% of participants reported reduction in at least one of the three evils. But notably, 37% said that they did not practice any of those behaviours before the trial. (laughs) And 43% reported no change. Thus, for 77% of participants... There has been no positive impact of the trial. That's hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's fucking devastating. But oh my God. And the government's just like, yep, we're on to a winner. Yeah. This is great. Well, actually, they're lying through their... Yes, assholes. yes, yeah, otherwise known as their mouths, but yeah. Yeah. In East Kimberley, yeah. we find that the number of offences related to domestic violence has significantly increased in the trial area since the rollout of the CDC. The result is consistent across all strategies used for the analysis. We find that the number of domestic violence offences has significantly increased in both control and trial areas. Yet we find that the increase is significantly larger in the trial localities compared to 
to the control localities. Extra 42 offences post-CDC in the trial area compared to an extra 23 in the control area. We observed that the number of domestic violence offences were not significantly different between control and trial areas prior to the CDC rollout. Now, correlation does not equal causation. I think we found causation there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think we can basically say that the CDC increases the prevalence of domestic violence. Yeah. Presence of concurrent influences that cannot be distinguished from one another suggests that given the evidence at hand, such comparisons would be unsafe to make and that the impact of the CDC could not be isolated from the other influences that we have mentioned. In such circumstances, it is advisable that we note problematic empirical surrounds and we do not attempt to make any casual statements about the impact of the CDC. That was from the evaluation of the cashless debit card in Seduna, East Kimberley and the Goldfield regions. However, there are some numbers. Look, there are positives. There are some positives. 7%. 7%. 7% of the number of people who express a positive view about the CDC policy. Oh, that's fucked. 97% combined number of people reporting discrimination, embarrassment and unfairness being on the card. I'm sorry, 97% plus 7%. 97% of trial participants. So there's 4% of people who expressed a positive view but also felt discriminated and embarrassed i think they've suffered enough i'm not going to bless them 46 percent number of people reported that they'd never consumed alcohol before or during the trial yeah so people who didn't drink and then didn't drink while they were on the card is 85 percent i'm not saying that alcoholism is not a problem but if your purpose is to reduce alcoholism probably make sure that there's a little bit more of it before you go and strip a whole bunch of people of their civil rights and even amongst those who drunk that's not it's an evidence-based... 43% reduction. But that's, like, if you're trying to stop people from misusing substances, restricting their access is really dangerous. Especially Like, people alcohol. have seizures. They die. Yeah. Yeah. Seizures is a big risk. It's just another example of government policy killing people. 6%. The total number of people who stopped drinking after being put on the card with the report stating this result could have been from any one of a dozen reasons or policies in place. Is it... Like, there is a 6% margin of error? Yeah. I mean, in most experiments, there's a a standard Mm. assumed 5% plus or minus. And this well and truly falls into that. Fucking hell. Can you prove that the card actually did that? Well, no, you can't. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm Just from a health perspective, this is terrible. Yeah. 50% was the total number of people who used to be able to save reported that they were unable to save any money on the card. Well, that makes sense. Twiggy Forrest is doing all right off it, though, isn't he? So that's fine. 80% of total responses stated child welfare was worse or had stayed the same 14% total number of people who gambled before CDC and 80% of those gambled less than once per month 76% total reporting no change to gambling in CDC trial sites oh this is so fucked like literally the only person who benefits from this card is Twiggy Forrest and his Indu company well the the government does as well because it's privatisation of of social security. I'm sorry, but it's actually not. Like, this is a prime example of the government not doing their job. I, I know this is a bit trite, but, like, the government is supposed to work for us. We pay them. My taxes pay their bills. My taxes pay for this welfare scheme. I don't want my taxes paying for this. This is disgusting. But on top of that, they're increasing homelessness. They're increasing the need for health care. They're increasing the need for domestic violence shelters, all of this kind of stuff. They're actually creating the need for more social services obviously not providing them but they're creating a need for it which is just putting more pressure on social services which is going to cause a drain on resources it's going to cause people working in these sectors to burn out which is going to cause more revenue loss because you know they're trying to incentivize and train more staff and all that kind of stuff this is costing you know if you look at it in a broad context in an economic context this is costing us so much more than what we can... So true to form, I will be quoting a section of the Constitution. (laughs) I promise you I am not a sovereign citizen. Don't give a fuck about the Magna Carta. (laughs) And I wear a mask in Bunnings. Okay, so section 51. Parliament 
subject to this constitution, have the power to make laws for the peace, order, and this super important part, and good government of the Commonwealth with respect to things. Primarily, I can make a Dennis Denudo joke about learning Roman numerals, but... Uh, Section 23A, the provision of paternity allowances, widow's pensions, child endowment, unemployment, pharmaceuticals, sickness and hospital benefits, medical and dental services but not so as to authorise any form of civil conscription. Benefits to students and family allowances. So we can say what we think the government's role is, and there it is in black and white. Mm. How is this good governance? Well, it's quite clearly not, but are we able to, like, sue the government for failure to meet the constitution? Like, how do you force the government to actually pay attention to the constitution? Because they sure as shit aren't listening to separation of church and state. They're not listening to it here. Well, we, t- we technically don't have a separation of church and state as not in the way that Americans view separation of... Yo, I'm just going to shut up. Nobody cares. I care. Nobody else listening cares about my constitution rants. I think everyone does. We need to do a side pod where it's just like um, Steph talks the constitution. I find it really interesting. I thought there was a separation of church and state. No, the government is not allowed to establish a religion or to um, force observance. But they do. Like, people read the Lord's Prayer in Parliament. Yeah, but they can't force you to do but there's also nothing stopping them from taxing the church. Yes, well, they should do that as well. Stop cry wanking over God and tax him. More importantly, government needs to be taken to court over this. Yeah. I mean, but not so as to authorise any form of civil conscription actually has an interesting history in the High Court of Australia. Thanks to Justice Michael Kirby, the great dissenter. <laughs> I'm a big fan. You have big crushes on high court justices. It's really cute. But but the thing is, this is what I do not understand about progressive politics in this country of going, this is not like the United States. We need to be taking these fuckers to court at every mm. single opportunity. We need to not yep. get as coy about taking the government to court. I don't know exactly which way the court would rule. Um, you know, you'd learn that in first year. Don't assume. There's no guarantee of anything. Um, <laughs> but this has got to be tested in court. It has to yeah. be. If doctors can't be forced to use Medicare under Section 51, um, paragraph 23A. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, 23A. Yes, yes, yes. The one that we actually <laughs> had a referendum on. This is the one that people vote, white people voted on. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear listeners. Yeah. If you could see Steph's face, it's very, it's cute. It's <laughs> <laughs> very exhausted. Very tired, and it's very going. We need to sue more. That's it. You know, conservatives. I don't know. Conservatives I don't bring know. Like I, all the time. We need to do it. Yeah. If the Catholic Church can go and intervene itself in a IVF case in Victoria, where the where the mm. state literally went, we don't care. And this is the thing. Like, I mean, as an abolitionist, I'm just like, let the master's tools won't dismantle the master's house. But I don't think this is so much about dismantling the house, but actually giving us some rights while this system exists like you know what to do until we actually manage to tear it down i suppose yep we do have to talk about the fact that essentially there's other problems with the indu card as well and especially from a feminist analysis that um it is not just a form of coercive it is a intentional or unintentional attempt to keep together the nuclear family Mm. if you can't use your card at a hotel to escape domestic and family violence where else are you going to go? Yeah. Who gets access to the government data for the things like spending? Because I'm a hipster mm. and I have an Apple Watch and I do use the <laughs> bloody payway. And then I get alert on my watch and my phone telling me that I've just spent more money than I should have. But who gets those when you have an Indu card? Who has access to that, that information? Yeah. Fuck, that's terrifying. You know, it's not just the not being able to escape. It's the fact that it's a... Stalker's delight. Yep. The my health record was bad enough with people um, accidentally being able to to look up other people's medical information. Mm. It's it is a stalker's delight. Mm. Right. Who's going to take the government to court? Who's coming? It sounds like a conspiracy theory, and I do. I I am very much aware of just how much I talk about 
you know, the interconnectedness of a lot of this stuff. But we actually do have another word for it. <laughs> it's structural. It's yeah. inherent in the system. And in Australia, Christianity is so inherent in our system and our way of thinking mm. and the way that our institutions work that to suggest that this card exists, not a primary objective of it, but just by design, forces, you know, particularly... Um, cis women experiencing family and domestic violence from cis dudes to be stuck in those situations. Mm. You know, with absolutely no escape, the forcing together of the nuclear family. Yeah. It's tinfoil hat moment, but at the same time, that's just... But it's not! Trans people aren't the issue. It's this. Yes! Oh the my biggest goodness. threat to women isn't trans people. It isn't anything other than the state. Oh my god, the biggest risk to to women has always been the church. Yeah, it's always been the church. Well, and the state itself. I'm just trying to think. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, hashtag not all religious orders, I guess. But like, who has the power? Is it the church or is it the state? Well, those things are the same in Australia. Yeah, like they feed off of each other. It's just horrific. It's just, yeah, this can't, this can't go ahead. And it sucks that telling people to vote for Labour is the only way out, but it kind of seems like it might be. Greens have always opposed the card. Labour mm. is has only recently said that they want to scrap CDC in a way that kind of looks like actually ending the program properly. Yeah. So that that means that us as constituents, as voters, we have to put pressure on Labour to go that way. Our media is literally doing press releases for the government. This isn't happening or this is being misrepresented when it's right there, when there are people Mm. who are experiencing this thing that you're saying doesn't happen. Mm. You can't drag Labour to the left at the moment. We have to. We have to. I think it's more... Like, people's lives are depending on it. We have to. No, I I mean, I I mean more, they're not going to publicly announce policy until closer to the election. And that putting pressure on (sighs) Labour, who have actually made a commitment to... I'm not a Labour supporter, please. (laughs) Mm, I'm not a Labour supporter either. But I think the better option, rather than um, focus on a political solution... Um, with political parties is to actually go out and talk to people because the press are literally doing press statements as reporting and when they can't get it right age pensioners you will be put on it yeah students will be put on it andrew forrest will be like benefiting off the welfare like that in of itself is fucked but also it's just all of it is so abusive and it's so coercive it's wrong it's just it's not supposed to be like this this isn't what welfare is for it's literally not what australia the white part of australia who had voting rights at the time this is not what australia voted for in to amend the constitution with so get involved put in links for the say no seven campaigns and the stop the cashless welfare card campaigns go and do what you can and like steph said even if it's just as much as like just having a conversation with two or three people about this and telling two or three people about how fucked it is and encourage them to go and tell more people and then go and talk to your local MPs about your concerns and just be like, I don't want you to support this. I will not vote for you if you support this. And put the pressure on the government to actually make these changes because they're not going to do it without us threatening their jobs, unfortunately. They're just not. Nope. Yeah, get out there, get involved. I'm such a weird mix of angry and sad... This is devastating. Oh, my God, this is horrific. Yeah. Because you have to put these statistics in the context that these are people. These are people. These are real-life people. Going any single person within your immediate family is at risk here. You, you as an individual listening right now to this, this could be you. And especially with COVID and, you know, who the fuck knows who's going to have a job next week. So many of us are on welfare payments and we didn't expect to be on welfare payments. This, this could be you. Yeah. None of us are safe from this. And the only people who benefit from it are the government, who is going to drag us all down because of, like, the, the pressure on social services, and Andrew Forrest. Like, that's it. 
everyone else loses. This is fu- oh my god, I can't. We need to figure out how to wrap this up because I'm just going to go throw something out the window. Compost the rich. To sum up, get involved. Have these conversations. Share these, you know, impossibly tough stories. Yeah. Listen to Amanda's interview. Listen to it again. Go to their website. Look at all their resources and just do what you can. I mean, for some people, it might just be as simple as sharing an article or signing a petition and sharing a petition. But we just need to be doing more. This is fucked. This is absolutely fucked. Yeah. If you were horrified at this absolutely emotional rollercoaster of an episode, um, please remember to uh, like and subscribe <laughs> and to leave a review and to do all of the things that boosts all the metrics. If you found this episode as horrific as we did, give oh, us actually, five stars. 